0: Hello, my lovers, my puppies, my kittens, my schmoopies. Hi. Have I run out of fockeries to discuss? Not quite. Just trying something new. A couple of wee episodes back. I had a guest, Lenny Thomas, from the show Ruthless, a show that yours truly is currently on. Season one is done streaming, and season two is about to launch on March 11th. And I decided a fun thing to do would be to have my co-stars, the series leads, on um, and it would be fun because I actually know that which they speak of when we're talking about the show. I hope it's a topic that interests you, that inspires you enough to go fetch that show. If it's your cup of tea, I urge you to watch. It's on BET Plus. It'll soon make its way to BET, and I believe with most providers, it's an automatic. Uh, it's automatically available. So, my guest today is Yvonne Senna-Jones from the show Ruthless. What the fuckery is Ruthless, Tali? Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadege August, your host. If this is your first time, welcome, bienvenue, welcome in, bienvenido. And uh, hit that subscribe button and you will be an automatic schmoopy. If this is your first time, once again, what's here's what you can expect. What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyles, truth, concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if in that process we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you for being curious, open, and willing. In that vein today, my guest, once again, is Yvonne Senna Jones. She plays Tali. Uh, She's a series regular on Tyler Perry's Ruthless on BET. She's from Dallas, Texas, and of Bolivian-Haitian descent and is fluent in Spanish. She holds a Master's in Fine Arts and Acting from the University of South Carolina, a BA in Theater from Cal State Long Beach. She recently finished filming the role of Denise King, wife of Darius King, played by John Sally, in Disney+, Plus, a 2021 feature film called Sneakerella. She will tell us when it comes out, I believe in the fall. After her eight episode recurring as a guest star on BET's The Oval, another Tyler Perry show, he created the show Roofless around her character, Tali. Now this came after her major breakthrough as Whitney Houston's close friend Robin Crawford in a major supporting role in the Bobby Brown story, which won her and the film the NAACP Award. Yvonne has also had guest stars on shows like The Oroville and Code Black and appeared on shows like SWAT, working opposite the manalicious, yumilicious Shamar Moore. Yvonne was directed by Academy Award-winning director Diane Houston in the Lifetime film Searching for Neverland. Interesting fact, she has taught Shakespeare for the last six years. She's a cat lady. Nope, scratch that. She has fostered over 30 cats and volunteers at City Hearts LA, bringing arts to undeserved LA-area schools and uh here we go hope you enjoy this convo as always follow us on instagram twitter send emails to me at uh, what the Fockery, gmail and everywhere else in social media we are whatthefockery. the Fockery. we're also in clubhouse if you need an invite let me know i will let you in because i have invites to give away all right here we go Yvonne Santa Jones. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to dive right in my love because I have a serious question to ask you. Okay. What is your house name? Your pet name? What nicknames? What have they gotten out of Yvonne growing up? Like, I'm Nadege, oh. and my grandma calls me Dadu, Nadudu. Like, it's never straight up my name. It's always <laughs> Dej, like a short version of your name. And it's like, oh. how short can my name be? Come on.
1: Mine is very telling of how my mom feels about me. My nickname is Princess.
0: <laughs> Ooh. <you> princess. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or she'll call me hormiguita. Hormiguita in Spanish means little ant, and it's very endearing. It means you're kind of like a, a worker bee, but like you're always, always doing something, you know? Um, and so I'm definitely hormiguita is a big one, but shh, anytime she like princess. <laughs>
0: uh, I love that. You know, I had a boy, my first boyfriend, I, I guess I was going through some kind of bratty stage. I was insisting that he called me princess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And did he? Yes and no. I had to constantly remind him, like tap him on the shoulder, like what? <laughs> I was princess, in the <laughs> just call me princess. <laughs> um, well, you know what's interesting when you grow up like that with a mommy that calls you princess. I bet you feel secure in life. Generally,
1: I do I do I do I love um, you know and then. My husband, thank God, pretty much treats me the same way. Uh, very, His mom taught him well. She, um, she was basically like queen of the castle. <laughs> she had two boys. And it was like she was, she was definitely queen bee over there. So she gave him some really good home training, right. I would say. It's,
0: um, it's so interesting because the episode before yours was on attachment styles. And so, oh, and, and, and you definitely fall into that category of being secure. And also it comes from the family of origin. So yeah. mom made you feel good. So way to go. Way to go, uh, mom. Yeah, princess. <laughs> Here we go. So I, the most surprising thing about you, my love, is that you have been teaching or has taught Shakespeare for eight years. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm amazing. <laughs> I I
1: love Shakespeare actually. And it's funny because it wasn't like I started teaching Shakespeare because I love it. It was one of those things where I had graduated grad school. My agent knew a friend who was part of this um, group that taught Shakespeare to kids who were homeschooled, but they all go to one school. So she was like, we need a new teacher. Do you have anyone? She knew that I had been in grad school so it was a day job it was like it just started as a day job and then it rolled into a nonprofit that also taught Shakespeare to low-income students uh, students in low-income communities who couldn't afford the arts so yes I have done so many Shakespeare plays with little baby Hamlets and, <laughs> and Lady Macbeth
0: what a wonderful way of giving back in the process isn't it
1: absolutely and to be honest with you Nadesh I Teaching's always given back to me. I had to be uh, under in my graduate degree to get my graduate degree in theater. I had to teach theater one hundred and one to the undergrads, and that was my first experience, and it was so fulfilling. In fact, I just had one of my undergrads post about me and be like, "Hey, it's ruthless. This was my theater
0: professor,"
1: you know. Um, so it's really, really nice. I it gives. It was kind of, to be honest with you, in the last eight years, because I just stopped, just stopped last year after my first season of Ruthless, it was definitely uh, fulfilling me in the in-between time, you know, because this journey, the successes sometimes are few and far between. So you need something where you feel like you're giving something to somebody else to to fill, and it in turn fills you.
0: To get out of your head too. Yeah. 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 Because it becomes so easily so self-centered. Everything is personal. It's me, 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 me. It's like my God. There's a whole world that me outside of your performing. You know, yes. Uh, And that's a great segue into what is up with you and cats.
1: (laughs) My bio. It's my dad. It's my dad's fault. So my dad is a cat person, and so it started with just two cats growing up, and then we moved into a house, and there was a pregnant cat that started coming around. Girl, it was like. That was the beginning of the end. She had a litter. You know these cats like five kittens at once. Left them there. We're taking care of those, getting those neutered. She has another litter because she's wild. You can't get. Her, you can't catch her. Either um, that or she a hoe. Yeah, well, a little of all. <laughs> she's, just living, she's living her best life. <laughs> I mean, she had people to take care of these kids. So what's she had to lose? <laughs> she's just doing her thing. So, um, yeah. So honestly, it was about several years of just, it felt like they communicated to each other because we would get another pregnant cat like every three years, which just come through, leave these little babies and so, yeah, my bio says that we've fostered at least thirty cats now, the majority of them were all outdoor. It's not like we have a, a cat house cat- i mean a cat house when I was growing up, but um, my parents do currently have five cats at the house <laughs> We have none. I'm still trying to convince my husband to let us have one. I only really want one. I want a dog and a cat. That's it. I'm good,
0: okay, and please <laughs> name them Tom and Jerry. I like that. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> That's going on the list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell your husband how what a hoot it would be for you guys to shout Tom and Jerry nonstop around the house.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> oh, well. So I would love to know more about your personal trajectory in this wild ride that is called acting. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. So we're going to start with like, what was your first break, so to speak, mm-hmm. followed by the major milestones leading up to Ruthless and soon you Disney princess, not quite. The queen. <laughs> oh, what? I, I missed the princess bus. <laughs> you went
1: straight from... To queen I love it I, I had to graduate I had to just graduate to queen I was Your mother no allowed in the princess category I recently heard that actually those princesses were like the snow whites and everything they were like 15 year olds who were getting married you know like 15s and 16s like that's actually the age they're technically they technically are when they're written so I was like I'll just I'll just be a queen a nice settled lived my life and now I'm ready to settle down queen
0: yeah they're like quinceañeras yeah.
1: right <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, my big break for me was definitely the Bobby Brown story on BET. BET has been so good to me. So, so good to me as it's been to all of us. Right. It's ruthless? Uh, say it again. Pre-Ruthless. 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 It was about two years before Ruthless. When was, when did I do Bobby Brown? In Like three years now, I think. And what um, did play in Bobby Brown's? I played Robin Crawford, who, uh, just recently, finally came into the light because she was so behind the scenes. She did not want the limelight. So it's very hard to find anything about her. Uh, but yes, Robin Crawford. I the, saw
0: the story. That was you? That was me. Oh was my the, gosh. That as Robin. I remember your, the storyline of Robin. Yes. Okay, and well, you'll have to tell the people who may not know that storyline, but how in a way, it's like, I remember thinking, I love this woman's work. Oh, yeah. Fast forward to when I was prepping to audition for Ruthless. To see the first few episodes of season one, which I was once again in love with you and Uh, not connecting the dots. Yeah.
1: You know, I am still, that's actually one of my favorite DMS to get is a picture of me on the screen of Bobby Brown as Robin. And someone saying, I was this—I was today years old when I realized you were Robin Crawford, and you're also Tally. Uh Because I mean, the hair and makeup did an amazing job. I had like a nice little short crop do, and you know, they put me in a little uh, velour jumpsuit. You know, it was the—it was the was
0: about that storyline? How Robin fits in the world of Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown?
1: Yeah, so Robin and Whitney, uh, at the time of the filming, all I knew, because Robin had not confirmed or denied anything, and neither had Whitney, what, I, what was known is that Robin Crawford and Whitney Houston were best friends since they were teenagers. I think their brothers went to school together. Uh, and honestly, through Whitney's career pre-Bobby, Robin was the, the confidant and also protector of Whitney. In, in that
0: world. The wind beneath her wings. The wind
1: beneath her wings and a very true blue friend. That that was what everyone said, it, whether in all of the bios I was able to watch beforehand for my research, everyone, the the you know security and just all the friends, anyone around said Robin was just the most loyal friend who had Whitney's best interests at heart. Uh, so that was beautiful to know when I got the role of her. Um, And yes, it was very much uh, talk. Is she the love? And, you know, did they have some kind of romantic involvement? Yes or no? And that was a part that actually going into it, no one had confirmed or denied. So I... And also the script also did not confirm or deny. Uh, so I just played the truth that I knew, which was this was a woman who was loyal. And there was definite conflict between her and Bobby because you had two people vying for the same person. Uh, and unfortunately, Robin was the one who ended up leaving.
0: So I don't know if it was a conscious choice of yours, but the sexual tension was palpable at times. Mm,
1: yeah, it was lovely to see.
0: Yeah. I,
1: in my head, I just knew that their relationship was something very deep, right? Standing past the test of time and everything. And that Bobby and their developing relationship was having me lose someone who was everything to me. So how that manifested on screen, I I love hearing different, you know, responses from everybody, but I just knew that that's, that's torturous to go through, whether it is your friend, your lover, your, you know, uh, family member. If you have a deep love and connection with someone and someone else starts taking that away, seemingly, there's like a mourning process you start going through, you know, with that happening.
0: It's a loss. It's a loss. It's a shift. It's a change. Yeah. Um, did you meet Robin in real life? Never, but she was on the phone talking to Bobby during,
1: um, during our filming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, wait, y'all talk. Yeah, they were, um, they were talking. I remember one time during filming, um, and, uh, and I think we were able to talk to one of the sisters of Bobby, actual Bobby, um, our, our girl, um, Brandy, who's on Pea Valley, she was playing one of the sisters. And so she was on the phone actually at the time with one of the sisters. I believe it was Brandy. Uh, and so the only insight she gave me was saying that, you know, she was always, she was always around. <laughs> like Robin was always around. They were peas and a pod. They were always together. So uh, yeah, it was, I did watch her to try to get her mannerisms down. She did you like. You watched her on the
0: reality show? Was she on the reality show? She never made no, it?
1: No, it was a quick little interview she had sitting on a bed. She was kind of sideways. And she, when she talked, she kind of rubbed her hands together and licked her lips at times. And her register was down here. So her register was like lower than mine. So when, I'm talk, when I was talking, I kept it low, lower than my regular register. Um, and she kind of, she just always had like a little, her eyebrows were like. Kind of like, what's up? <laughs> you know, like I wish you could see it, but it's kind of like she just, she's a confident woman. She was confident, not easily, um, you know, not easily affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like a a, a solid. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to there describe. There's
0: a male energy. If yeah, yeah, to be honest, and I don't mean it was. being pejorative by that, because some of us are right. male anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think it just it's some one of something that men can kind of have, you know, unquestionably. <laughs> and we as women kind of have to learn it because it's not something that we're allowed to have. You know? Right. You know, but she, she just held it. She just held her own and she was comfortable in who she wasn't in her skin. So I tried to just do those, those things. With
0: Has her. she come out since the... the, the yeah, the- she did
1: a Red Table Talk. I have to watch the whole thing. Very, she did a Red Table Talk this last year.
0: Mm. Yeah. So That's I need to watch that. You know, I often wonder if it's in fact true and it's, it's okay if it is Yeah. how much we've advanced as a society. It feels that's like just I'm in saying. the last, right. Just in the last five years yeah. would we be in her, would they be in a different place?
1: Yeah. That's what I've heard several people say. Like, you know, regardless of like I said, I, watch, I have to watch the Red table talk. I think she confirmed it though. Um, but regardless of that, I know it affected her because there was a lot of talk and a lot of gossip and a lot of, you know, and we were just talking about like how it is with comments and stuff, you know, like those things, they, they stick to us. We can't, we have to make a very conscious effort to try to then move past that. And that was a big thing going on with her at that time. Um, that kind of talk. And so, yeah, she would have at least been able to be a little bit healthier. I think now with that Mm -hmm. situation.
0: It, it's very sad to me when someone doesn't get to live their life truthfully, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. truth of who they are, having to suppress it because of what society says. Right, right, right. So yeah. that's that.
1: Oh, what a but, yeah, on, a, on a lighter <laughs> note, uh, and I love talking about it because it's it was such a gift to be able to be a part of, you know, I mean, it's our girl, we, like we grew up loving her. So to be someone so close, it was such a gift, but it really was confirmation for me because I had been working at T-Mobile for 15 years off and on since from graduating high school all the way through undergrad. I dropped out of undergrad, came back, went to grad school and they kept, you know, in grad school, since I was out of state, they kept bringing, it was okay for me to work with them every summer out here in Long Beach. and uh, And so I had finally left my job of 15 years and I was Just like, okay, I think this is it. I feel like this is the time. And then two months later, I was in Atlanta filming Bobby Brown's story. And actually, I had auditioned for it in October when I was still working with my LA agent, didn't even get a call back. Then uh, I got an Atlanta agent in November, quit my job January. January, my Atlanta agent, not knowing I had already auditioned, sent me out again. And that's when I got the like callback chemistry read, looking, all those things.
0: Um, Um, It was was such great confirmation. Was there a change in the casting person? Is that why? Do you know? you know um i think they
1: were just still looking so what it was is actually i went in for whitney both times i went in for whitney the first time didn't get it i went in for whitney and even got to the chemistry read for whitney uh the second time in in atlanta with um with woody i did the chemistry read with him uh and then it was funny because me and cree davis who ended up playing janet we were both sitting in the waiting room uh for our chemistry read i think she might have gone in for. For that too. So anyway, um, and then I, I didn't hear anything back when I got back, and I was like, oh, I didn't get it. And then one day they just sent me an email, hey, can you put yourself on tapes for Robin? Which obviously is night and day from Whitney, right? And I will tell you right now, I was salty.
0: <laughs> I was initially. Cause Cause that meant that meant you were no longer in the running for Whitney. Yeah, I gotta be honest. With Robin,
1: I mean, you know, it's it's a journey out here, so we all go through it. And I was initially salty, so I took like an hour. Or so I mean, obviously, I confirmed it, but I didn't put it on tape till that evening. But I just remember at that point, I was like, you know what, Chuck, that's okay. If they want to see Robin, they're gonna see Robin. Give me your clothes, and so I, I put on Chuck's like big white tee, and then Chuck i your his, husband. Chuck's my husband. Uh, he helps me with all of my self-tapes. So I put on his big white tee and then I put all my hair underneath, I have a lot of hair. I put it underneath the ball cap. And then in the scene, it's the scene where uh we're we're supposed to be uh I was supposed to be smoking, right? Like just hitting some weed. So I just had like my fake little weed, you know, uh, not real like prop, but just my fingers, you know, as if. And I went in, and <laughs> and apparently, like you know, Robin, uh, excuse me, Robbie Reed, who's the casting director for Out Here, she said that she had told um, Kyle, the director, "That's your Robin. That's your Robin." So I, you know, I, I just tell everybody, like, just do your best, regardless, mm-hmm. like, regardless of how you feel, because you know people are watching. And honestly, I will tell you this. I'm so happy. I didn't play Whitney. I'm happy on several scales. One of them, colorism is a big deal right now, especially with our icons. And I feel like that would have been an issue, um, in that situation. And with, with me, I just, I'm just lighter than Whitney. And so you actually I would, do look like Robin a little bit. I look more like Robin actually. Yeah. Mm. Once they did all the costume and everything, I was like, Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) The casting people know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, Emmy Award-winning casting director Robbie
0: Reed knows what she's doing. (laughs) So we have your first major breakthrough, right? And then what's the second one? So then
1: the second major, honestly, was uh, the Oval. And that came about two years later. I was doing some Co-Stars in between. The Orville, SWAT, Code Black. Shamar Moore is wonderful. (laughs) He's so, so sweet. Um, so I did a lot of co-stars, not even a lot, honestly, like about a handful, maybe to say like three, four co-stars. Um, and then I auditioned for Kim Coleman for um for sisters, actually. I got the call back. And got flown <laughs> first class from Mr. Perry because that's how he does. That's how we roll. Mm-hmm. That's how he rolls uh, to Atlanta to read for Karen in Sisters and did not get it, um, obviously. But that was my first time ever meeting Mr. Perry when I auditioned in front of him. And honestly, it came at a really hard time to be on that. I, I had just experienced the loss of, of a close friend and they were pretty young. It was a surprise. Um, And then I had expected to book something because it was the same day as an audition when I found out and I didn't even get a call back. And I think just the, the duo of those two, combo of those two really hit me hard that week. So I wasn't in the best place. And I honestly was ready to call it quits. I know that's always everyone's story, right? And I will say I've had those moments before, but I think that was probably one of the heaviest ones. Uh, And then that night we got a, speaking of Bobby Brown, I got a very big commission check, uh, a residual all of a sudden that evening after having my big meltdown (laughs) Uh, and looking at the, and my husband and I are looking at the phone, literally looking at the phone, Dej, and then the email comes in saying you're getting flown out to Atlanta for this callback. And so it, just like that, things shift. So, you know, for actors listening, like you just got to get to that next day.
0: Don't give up. Don't it give up. It really is like AA, one day at a time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Every, yeah, every breath, every step. It's like moment to moment, man. But, yeah. you know, it goes back, and I'm sorry to interrupt you because I feel no. like a bit of my high horse. Do it. It is about latching onto your why, Mm-hmm. Having faith. and I you know listen so many uh dark nights i i'm I know that, oh my gosh like, <laughs> I've been there, I think we've all been there when we're like, why yes, why not me <laughs> ugly crying, ugly
1: cry <laughs> and look at that next breath, yeah, yeah, and even that though, I didn't. I I didn't book like I said I didn't book it and I saw Melissa so Melissa and I went to went to uh Tasha Smith's class together years prior and hadn't really spoken with each other but we were in a scene together where we played like uh, sisters or something, I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: Melissa Williams, the 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 Ruth of Ruthless. Ruthless, yeah, <laughs> Ruthless. the call sheet of Ruthless, yeah. Yes, yes. So you saw her for the Oval audition,
1: or you just? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, for the callbacks, and so we reconnected really quickly, sent our hellos and everything. Great luck, uh, and I remember seeing that. Uh, she had already started up and running a few weeks later because she was an oval. Right. And I was like, Oh, they've stopped casting. Here we go again. Like didn't get it, you know, and such a bummer. But uh, you know, I remember specifically like hit the like button, make sure you hit all the likes because otherwise if you let that like bitterness, try to sneak in there, it'll sneak in and it'll just take you down. You can't let it. Cause I really strongly hold on. Like you said, those beliefs, what's for me is for me. So no one's stealing anything from me. No one took it out from under me. We weren't even going up for the same part. I'm not talking about Melissa, but just, you know, when you see things going on without you, it's hard sometimes to be like, but that was supposed to be mine, you know? Um, And so it's, it's, for me, I really feel what's for me is for me, which has Uh, thankfully
0: been Evidence. Go ahead. One of these days, if when I if I'm ever on the other side of the mic, I will share stories of how when it's yours, it really is yours. Even I have situations where I thought something wasn't mine; someone else was hired, and suddenly there's a change, and I get called in to replace that. I have gotten asked for things, and I'm getting on with my life, and the next thing you know, hurry up, come, come, you you were the next best, you know. And so again, it goes back to what's yours is yours.
1: Yeah. Really Absolutely. Well, I feel that way for Bobby Brown. I mean, look at it. How many, how often do you don't even not even get a callback and then all of a sudden get two auditions for the same movie? <laughs> you know? Uh that that for me is like, nope, this
0: was yours from the start, you know. Um so then so, oval happens. So, oval. oh, say it again. Yeah. So then Melissa, you see Melissa on screen doing oval.
1: Not on screen, but I see, um, I actually saw them start shooting, right? Like basically they're starting to shoot the oval, uh, and, and pretty much thought it was a wrap. And then a re-release of the role of Tally came out and I'd never seen it before. And so just went in, you know, uh, prepped for it. And then, uh, next thing I know I was, I was about to do a shoot. My husband and I have a production company, um, MFB entertainment. Shameless plug mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and we were filming a concert and that's when my agent called and said they want to know your availability if you could come to Atlanta on Monday to film a recurring role on the Ovalist Holly uh, to which of course I was like I'm there <laughs> and sure enough she, she said okay I'll call you back to confirm they confirmed that night that was gonna be eight episodes uh, and that's the biggest thing I had ever, ever, ever had. Never even had a guest star before to then go to a recurring. And that's how it is with Mr. Perry. He does not care about your credits. Do you fit the part or not? That's it.
0: Let and me let him say.
1: Yeah,
0: let that him man, tell you. That man has given more breaks to, to actors than anyone <laughs> else. Because everyone else is too busy, like, waiting for someone else to approve you. So then as soon someone approves you, then suddenly you're hot. Right. Yeah. is yeah. like, look, you're Mr. Perry's like, Hey, you're yeah, you're the one for the job. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I don't care what your experience is. I don't know if you're green. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're eating. We're here to eat. Can you, can you handle it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Come eat.
1: Yeah. It's just, he's a remarkable man who has built an empire that is helping us. You know, and it's it's so needed. So many of our black actors that are out there doing it right now got their start with Mr. Perry mm-hmm. or got their continuation with Mr. Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh so so yeah, that was that was the biggest thing I'd ever gotten ever. And then had no idea that he had Ruthless in mind while we're filming this. Uh it if you know, if you've seen my character, um things happened to her in Oval, but <laughs> But the nice thing is when it was over, I, I like to do thank you cards. And I gave Mr. Perry a thank you card because, you know, Nadezh, it's on to the next. He ain't got time Always. to talk.
0: Yeah, can't sit on you your clothes.
1: No, no, no. So I just had a thank you card written with everything I wanted to say um, and gave it to him, shook his hand, said, thank you. You know, today's my last day on set. And he said, well, it's your last day on set, but it's not going to be your last time here. We'll bring you back. And that just blew my mind. Like in and of itself, it blew my mind. You know, people always say that, but when Mr. Perry says it, he means it. He means it. Yeah. He's one person who means what he says. Yeah, because he can do it. Because he's the writer, producer, director, cameraman. <laughs> he does have to wait for the network
0: to approve you. He approves <laughs> you. That's all you need. Yeah. There's he's a writing you 50 people trying to boil it down to one decision. And some of the reasons are ridiculous. Sometimes you look like someone's ex-girlfriend and they hate that ex-girlfriend. Oh, or someone yeah. hates the color red and you were wearing a red top. I have heard some of the gnarliest reason why people didn't get a job. Because you yeah. were wearing the color they hated. Like, oh my God. <laughs>
1: okay so petty. But then that's why you have to just trust what's for use for you because otherwise you will beat yourself up thinking something's wrong with you. And it could be as easy as like the person doesn't like purple and you chose a purple top. That has nothing to do with your talent. That has everything to do with their pettiness.
0: Hey, listeners, the term self-care is thrown around a lot these days, and deservedly so. And I think we can all agree that mental health is part of self-care. And one of the many reasons we tell ourselves is lack of time and money. Well, BetterHelp.com is the world's largest counseling service. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Now, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapist in under 24 hours. Therapy from the comfort of your own space. What could be better than that? You can schedule weekly video sessions or phone sessions with your own personal counselor. You can log into your account at any time from anywhere to send a message to your counselor. And BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change your counselor if you ever needed to. Um, it's very affordable. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So get started today and you as a What the Fockery listener get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com forward slash Fockery 10. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Fockery 10. In fact, use Fockery 10 as a promo code and discount code anytime and anywhere you um, use our sponsors. Okay, back to our program. So then, when he said that, you believed him, but you still moved on because
1: you know I still moved on because I mean, until it's there, what are you going to do? You got to keep hustling. So, um, so I kept auditioning and went back home, and then I got an email actually with a script with my name on it before an offer, before a contact. It might have been sent, you know in ever <laughs> but who knows uh, I just know I was freaking out <laughs> it was like there are eight scripts here with my name and Melissa's name on it uh, on. I what uh-huh. a beautiful way to find out you got a job I, I wouldn't change it for anything I would. I'm like whoever sent it thank you <laughs> you i didn't have to go through the like is it done did we get the offer did we no i went straight to like girl this script has your name in it on it all through it all up and through so um so that's how i found out and then you know of course agents do what agents do they did all the talking and everything but it felt like and that was about three months later three to four months later um next thing you know we're out there and And yeah, we're just, we're, we're filming like crazy 12 days, you know, Mm -hmm. shooting a whole series. Um, and it was the best experience of my life to date. It's still like, just, you already know, Nadege, like, I think it's because (laughs) it's almost a traumatic experience (laughs) of being put thrown in this world and knowing like, this is your career. You have to make it work and work well. And so everyone just clings to each other so that you become a family instantaneous.
0: It's boot camp. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. And I said it to Lenny when I had him on, Lenny Thomas, who plays Daikon. You and he were so beautiful and welcoming to reaching out to us newbies when we first got, um, I guess when it got released that, you know. (laughs) Oh yeah. As soon as we got the script with people's names, we started in the group chat, get on their Instas. (laughs) And, and, you know, and when we came, you know, the way it, it was like, it, it was an ensemble. It is an ensemble piece where there is, it's a family and we're there to support each other. There is no time for BS. It's like, it's work, work, work. And uh, we help each other out. We had each other's back. It's like theater. It really it was. Is. It you know, is. hanging out with your castmates at dinner oh, and then going to do the show. You know. Yeah. It was, it, it's so
1: much that. And I think it's because he comes from a theater, Mr. Perry comes from a theater background, so he shoots like theater. So you do all the same kind of prep. You're calling the other person, can we meet outside of your house? Because we couldn't go in, right? Because of COVID. Can we meet in your patio, run these lines? You and I did Zoom, yeah. Audition,
0: uh, Zoom, you know, rehearsals. Yeah, you just make it work. We we did, and it was beautiful. Um, And it is like opportunity and preparation meet because Mr. Perry doesn't give you several shots. You only get one (laughs) shot, literally. One take. One One take.
1: And so if you flub (laughs) your little line, expect to maybe see your, like, hiccup in the final product.
0: (laughs) You're going to look bad, so you make sure... (laughs) I know. It's it's <laughs> wild. But this is why most of us are, the consensus is when you're done with one of his shows, you're like, there is nothing I can't do. There's nothing I can't do. And it's funny because
1: what I I actually just finished, like you mentioned, doing sneakerella and Okay, hang
0: on, hang on. So the yeah. So we know you're on Ruthless. We yeah. just dropped yeah. season two. I kind of came in at the end of season one. I'm also in season two. Woo. So we have a season three, maybe. We don't know yet, but let's wait. Fingers, um, crossed. fingers crossed. So now you are the one, what, lead? What's your number? Three, two on the thing? Uh, okay, so for, for uh, Ruthless? Yes. Number four. Number four. So mm-hmm. you're top of the way above there, and <laughs> you still are looking for work, because it's what yeah. we do. Right? That's, it's the hustler life, because
1: you're only working two weeks out of the year with the Mr. Perry situation. So, so get that work. <laughs>
0: and I'm so now you come home, and then you find out you book Sneakerella. What yes. is Sneakerella? How soon after we came back from Atlanta did you find out you got that job, or you? Got- uh, so the audition came after after we had been filming. So uh, I think it was about. Two
1: months, because I'm trying to think. It wasn't. It wasn't long. Honestly, we came back what in, um, in August, early September is when we came. There you go. So then it was like a month. Within that month, my agent sent me an audition. She was so cute. She was like, "Do you want to um, do you want to read for this?" And it's a Disney Plus, and it was like Denise King, who's the wife of John Sally, the key. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I want to read this." So uh, we put it on tape and sent it out and then they had the, um, it was my first like callback on Zoom, did that. I really prefer it because then you don't have to deal with random people's faces. Like you see them for a second and then they're gone off the screen. They black their screen out and all you have is your reader. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then did the callback and then did the chemistry read with John Sally, um, which who's great, he's he's great, great, great. Um, and it was funny. I didn't realize it was John Sally. And I also didn't realize it was Lexi Underwood, daughter of Carrie Washington in Little Fires Everywhere. Uh, and I'm really happy I didn't in the chemistry read. I think I out. Yeah, I had a breakdown. Like, uh, okay. So um, so did the chemistry read. It was a lot of fun. And sure enough, uh, a few days later, my manager called and said, hey, so we're in talks about Denise King for Sneakerella. And I was like, freaking out say yes. so it, it was a huge surprise it was it was definitely something that's why I tell people like you know how you have to have the vision in front of you I just really felt in my heart at the top of the year this was going to be a year I would book a feature my first feature I had never had like you know Bobby Brown was a tv film right and Sneakerella although it's going to be on Disney plus is a feature film mm-hmm. um, and where so
0: was it shot. say that again where was it shot
1: We went to Toronto, we're doing everything in Canada, Mm -hmm. first time in Canada, it was wonderful. Uh, we have to quarantine for two weeks and the government calls to make sure you have not left your apartment, even to take the trash out the front door. You just like, leave it there. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I stayed there to film for about seven weeks. All in all. So it was like nine weeks, I think. And my husband was thankfully able to come with me, which was great. Uh, did he he stay the whole time he did and he just stayed in the apartment for six weeks he did not leave (laughs) because he's not getting tested and he didn't want to be you know that guy who shuts down a project because he went to like get a burger so leave it to an
0: American leave it to an American the
1: American American who wanted a burger giving everyone COVID no (laughs) he's like that can't be me so yeah, so there was a, he was using my stipend. He definitely was to get his his stuff delivered mm-hmm. Uber um But so the
0: sneakerella, more- when is it coming out? What do we know? Any? Are you allowed to share this information? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I was just going to say really quickly before for the sneakerella, like because it was so big, because of the name Disney Plus. You know, it's a Disney movie, and you're mm-hmm. playing a queen, and you. If you aren't in the right frame of mind, and even it did come to my mind sometimes, it's like, well, I could never, you know, it's almost like, no, that's like a one in a million shot kind of thing. And because I had really felt in my heart, like I'm going to book a future this year, I know it. And I had written it down, had it posted, and I was saying it, you know, daily. I think what it was is I was... It was kind of like, okay, well, if it's, you know, it's either going to be this one or another one, it's going to be, but I know I'm booking a feature this year. I just know it. So then the whole other part couldn't play on my mind of like, oh, but it's a Disney and you know, you don't have enough credits or all these other things that'll play. So I think it's just so important that whatever you feel in your heart, you know, that you're like, oh, I really need, I really want, I believe I can believe this is for me, that you are reminding yourself that that's something that you are more than worthy of having and, and, and you just keep making sure you're good at your craft. I was in class both seasons. I went to class after the seasons, you know, because I just was like, I have to stay sharp. I'm in a higher bracket now of auditions and that means people who have a lot of credits and a lot of experience. So, um, so just stay sharp, but also know like you're more than worthy and capable of.
0: Are you, are you taking your classes virtually? All virtually. They've all been virtual? virtual.
1: Yeah. They were virtual even before COVID hit. She just, Wendy Davis is, is my teacher. Okay. I just I love her. She's an actual actor. and she's a lady.
0: I, Everyone lady. Get, gets that
1: person who gets them and that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. She's a so, lady. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Uh, it comes out fall 2021. Okay. Fall 2021. So in a few
0: months. Yeah. Before you blank, it will be fall. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. Don't remind me.
0: Right. <laughs> um, So hopefully there will be able to go do a red carpet somewhere because that's kind of like the one perk where you do something. You get to put on a dress and...
1: I know. My Pinterest
0: is full of like,
1: maybe I'll wear this kind of dress and that kind of dress. I'm just hoping... crossed, yeah. crossed, yeah.
0: (laughs) So we did... I did something very interesting. So with the show Ruthless, dear listeners, uh, we have a serious committed fan base. Oh, Yeah. Ruthless is about a cult, in <laughs> essence, and our fans, it's almost cult. Oh, cult ends. following all the way. Love, it, love <laughs> loving way So I said, hey, I'm going to have the actress who plays Tali on Ruthless on, what are your questions? And the first thing that most people said was, we love her. Oh,
1: I love them. <laughs> so,
0: I actually picked out some great questions, and I got permission from the uh, the person asking to use their full names. So he, are you ready? Because I'm going to hit you with some ready. questions. And of course, we know uh, that we have to be careful not to share too much, as season two premieres March 11th, so we're not quite at March 11th yet, Uh, So here we go. So from Lauren Ramsey, she wants to know, was Tali really pregnant and why wasn't it mentioned anymore? Very good
1: question, Lauren. So, yes, we uh we learned that Tally is pregnant for a season. Um, and potentially the reason it's not mentioned is because the person who's impregnated her is nowhere to be found. <laughs> Mr. Andrew, as we've seen in this last season, has had a lot on his hands and a lot on his plate. So I think that might be one of the reasons it hasn't really been talked about quite as much. Uh, because they're just really focused on that. Now, as to whether or not I know it. Is a question people are like wait is she really is she not playing a game um, to get out of this is she baby?" you know i will just say that it is something you have to watch to see um you know i yeah it's
0: something you kind of have to watch to see i just don't want to spill anything yeah we can't well lauren also wants to know why didn't Tali take daikon up on his offer to see her daughter
1: Oh, because that was a trap. Nope, nope. Tally is too smart for that one. That was a trap from Daikon. He's testing her. They like to test you to see how loyal you are. And Tally is way too smart and has been here way too long and seen way too much to fall for it. So she was not about to get his bait, especially after turning in our beautiful Nadej over here for being disloyal.
0: Joe, oh, yeah. not in <laughs> Excuse me, Excuse me. Joe. Joe I only played Tally. this foil on the screen. <laughs> it's true. Because it's all about survival of the fittest, man. That's I- what it is.
1: Survival of the fittest. It yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, I think this is a perfect segue into Mac Mercury's question. Well, like Why does name. Tally keep asking questions to the wrong people? <laughs> Yeah, you're, oh, Tally. So, smart. <laughs> you're so smart, except Mac Mercury knows that, nah, Tally, you're asking <laughs> the wrong people. I think Tally's anxiety gets the best of
1: her, and she is not a patient woman. She just wants answers. (laughs) She wants answers. She wants them now with the premise of the fact that she is a pregnant woman. Like, she's got a lot on her mind, y'all, a lot on her plate, hormones, flying, you know, so she can't be responsible for her outbursts at all times.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's your story, and you're gonna stick with it.
1: Right? I it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I want to apologize if I butcher names because names are so personal. That's why I always ask, you know, for nicknames. Not that I'm gonna call people by their nicknames, it's just good to know. <laughs> uh, Leonore Bland Mullen says, I just want her to know that I love her.
1: Oh, Leonore,
0: thank you. I love you. I love all you guys. You guys yeah. are
1: make my day.
0: Um, Darrell Jones Reed asks, when filming in the moment, do we get to ad-lib lines we feel the character would say, or do we have to strictly stick to the script? Now, I promised Durrell that we would both answer that question. So I, I will think it, in but it. go for it. You say.
1: Yes, such a great actor question. So I will say that I memorize the script pretty much verbatim because there's so so many lines and I would hate to be the reason that my scene partner, because I miss maybe a really? Or I miss are you sure? (laughs) If I miss one of those and then I throw them off, I would just hate that. So for the most part, personally, I memorize my script ahead of time, like a play beginning to end. And I try to be as on book as possible. We have someone there, as Nadej knows, that's on book. Um, Jennifer is our godsend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if we need a line, we will stay in it and say line and she'll give it to us and we'll just keep chugging along. But um, I try to stay as on book as possible. Although I do know Mr. Perry will throw out lines in the moment if if the moment moves him. And all of a sudden you're saying like, that happens a lot with Lenny. (laughs) He's saying really crazy, awful things. Bianchi, Mr. Lilo, is the exception to all of these rules because Mr. Perry kind of just let the man go and he rocked it. So,
0: and yes. And let me say, so my scenes were. Oh, that's perfect for you. Yeah. yeah. So I, ha- I too had freedom. So there was a lot that was said that was not written that Joe, said, <laughs> but it was just working off Bianchi. Beautiful. Uh, and so yes, we this is to answer your question, Durrell It it we are as memorized as we can be. Uh, we're not we don't get in trouble if we're not. Mr. Mm-hmm. Perry allows improvisational lines and ad libs as long as they fit the story line. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If it's within the context. And yes, you can paraphrase, but the point is you get that that story out, what you need to say out, you can get it out. So yeah. Uh, that's how we roll, Darrell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Great Right? And so I wanted to thank uh, Kiana Jackson. She was actually in – she spoke at the clubhouse earlier. Oh, it was Kiana, yeah. Yeah, Kiana, and that's why I can say her name. <laughs> I'm only saying it right because she was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to thank her because her energy was super con- – is – contagious. She was lovely to have on, but she's also the creator of that group. Granting us granted me permission to post and to ask for these questions. Wonderful. So we had both of the people because Tika is the other group. There's another group and also and so Sharita Patrick apparently has been made an admin also. And so she has a few questions. So I'm going to combine them, right? Wonderful. Yeah. So her first question is, will Tali and Ruth's friendship slash sisterhood be tested next season? (laughs) Well,
1: first of all, shout out to all these admins and Sherita. Sherita was so sweet. She was so cute. She texted, DM'd me actually and said, oh my gosh, I took your age down from your birthday. I hope you don't mind. I'll take, I took it down. I just felt that. I was like, girl, it's an IMDb for life. (laughs) It's out there. And I said, it's fine. But I love our groups and our admins. yeah, it's, it's gonna get tested. He actually, I love that Ruthless is not just, a, is not actually a series about men and their relationships. It's, it's very women driven. Uh, and it started with the sisterhood of Tally and Ruth. And so it does get tested. Um, lines get drawn in the sand and we just have to see how they make it through it, you know, because they both have the same objective, but what happens if they can't do it together. So it's, it's going to be a great season too. It's yeah.
0: Really- oh, Oh my gosh. Let I me mean, tell you, it's exciting. It's an exciting yeah. show because things are going to happen that are going to blow people. You thought season one blew your mind. Mm-hmm. Wait till you see season dos. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other Sharita um, question is will Tali gets to see her uh, Tavia, your daughter soon or more of this season, will Tali find out what happened to Andrew as well? Okay. So two questions, right? Will you see your daughter, Tavia? And will you see Andrew? Now, the, there's a whole um, sex trafficking, child trafficking undercurrent here. So yeah, yeah. just for people who may not know the show, that's why there's this question about whether she'll get to see her, her daughter, not because she's a bad mom.
1: Right, right, right. So um, the drug trafficking is what's highlighted with the kids because the kids are potentially used for drug trafficking. And then the women, the older ones, you know, well, semi older ones in their 20s, those are the ones used for sex trafficking. So it's just a crazy dangerous (laughs) dangerous place. <laughs> and everybody wants to make sure everyone's okay. Um, will I get to see Tavia? That is uh, one can only hope. <laughs> one can only hope that that's what gets to happen this season. Um, that is her ultimate goal, you know, always. So uh, I can't reveal too much on that note, but it is definitely, I mean, it's, it's the bottom line for both Ruth and Tally is to see their kids and get them out of here. In regards to Andrew, Andrew and Tally's story is not over. It's not over. It's still going to come back <laughs> and play out. Uh, I really like what Mr. Perry did, honestly, with their story this season. Um, it, I, I kind of can't wait for you guys to see it. I think it's it's pretty much one of my favorite um, parts of of season two. Of uh, season two is is the relationship between. Tally and Andrew and, um, and also Tally having, you know, starting to have interactions with people around the cult that aren't just Ruth and Andrew, you know, um, that's also what I like that he added in is that everybody has relationships, not relationships necessarily, but everybody's starting to interact with everyone else. It's madness. (laughs) (laughs) So it's
0: exciting. Exactly. And finally, our last question is from Tiffany Johnson. What do you love about your character, Tali? And will Tali and Andrew ever get together? Which you sort of answered because Charita asked. Tiffany was the answer to that part, but now she's going to tell us what you love so much about Tali.
1: Oh, I love Tali. She will all for all time be one of my favorite characters. Uh, What I love about Tali is she is um, she's complicated. She's not one. She's not linear. She's not always like she's not always afraid. Sometimes she she you know, she, she gets, mans up, she balls up. Yeah. Yeah. She gets, you know, her strong head on her shoulders and, and is able to think and see clearly. And I think sometimes she is the, um, I think Ruth and Tally are the antithesis of each other and they work really well in that way, but it doesn't mean they have to play the same roles all the time. Sometimes Tally's is the one who wants to just handle business. And Ruth is the one who's trying to think it through, but sometimes it's opposite. And Tally is advising Ruth, Don't be too, you know, too cocky with Daikon, for example. You haven't seen what I've seen, you know, and so I think they balance themselves out really well. So I love that he didn't. Mr. Perry is similar to I always say, similar to Tennessee Williams and how he writes his women characters, complex, full uh, with a really rich life that has sometimes nothing to do with a man.
0: (laughs) He actually, it's by no accident, he plays a woman so well too. Yeah, grew up around. He
1: grew up around women, women. He was there at the table as they were talking, like he says all the time, talking about the men in their lives and their relationships and how they were dogging them out or treating them well or whatever. He has the inside scoop to the complexities of women. And thankfully he, we get to play them. <laughs>
0: it's a pleasure to work, to work on material where you know this man is not misogynist, where he actually yeah. likes women as a species.
1: Yeah. Imagine. He actually likes them as people. And respects them. Like mm. they're very respectfully and they are intelligent. You know, they're, they're intelligent because we they're are intelligent. Imagine that the ones responsible for making sure children enter the world have a good head on their shoulders.
0: It mm. is female. Let's not forget. That. Let's not forget. Right. Yvonne, how do we wrap this wonderful uh, story up? I, Sadly. <laughs> I love I love your story of um of of origin, mm-hmm. and you are half Bolivian and Haitian. Yes um so uh we share our French names <laughs> we French name and I tend to want to say it in French Yvonne and Yvonne um so yeah that's who I'm calling and that's how my dad says it from Haiti that's how he does it that way too huh
1: Yvonne, Yvonne,
0: (laughs) Yvonne, (laughs) Yvonne. Yeah, I love the diversity and how there is something empowering about finally being able to be who we are unapologetically, because Black people, as was mentioned earlier, were not monolithic we're no. just as rich and diverse and come and speak so many different languages and and uh, like people being surprised that I speak French is like uh, oh like it's 2021 yeah. come on <laughs> Add language <laughs> yeah you know uh yeah. so how do you think that has shaped your work oh uh, very deeply it's shaped my work
1: um in fact, I remember when I got the role, even just for Sisters, a show called Sisters. Uh, to be very honest with you, immediately made me feel um, accepted. Say that again. Accepted. No, opposite. It made me feel like I couldn't live up to this. It's Sisters is black, <laughs> and I had just had a challenge all my life feeling black enough. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have anyone Black in my house, you know, Is my mom,
0: Latina. I just, I I mm want to just make it clear, because colorism is such a thing that we are finally starting to have little conversations about. Uh, I want us to be very clear about what you mean by not belonging, because by Black, we are, a white person sees us, they're just going to call us Black. Right. But within the Black community... So many... So many. So when you say not black enough, you just mean African-American centric, uh, speaking English of this country, only mother and father from here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we both have black parents, but they come from different parts of the
1: world. Right. And I wasn't raised with mine. So even, you know, for me, I think just growing up, it was definitely something that was it's just wasn't quite as accepted as I think it is now to not sound a certain way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, And so when I did get the, you know, when I did get the audition for sisters, I I did feel very self-conscious immediately. Uh, But it's something I had learned to deal with. And so thankfully by then it was just at a place where I said, you know, Karen's just going to have to look like me and sound like me because (laughs) I don't have any other way to be except this Karen. And, uh, you know, and, and it's fine. They went with someone else. And I think it was great because I loved Hallie. Like we say, it worked out yeah, it worked out. And what's for me is for me, but um, it it has influenced me. But what I have really enjoyed now is something as simple as like, I'm, I'm not straightening my hair. I haven't had a flat iron to my hair in over a year because I was under the impression that leading ladies had to have straight hair. And the thing is I have ruined my (laughs) half of my, like I'm in transition y'all half of this is like, all points because all the straightening I did for auditions and I just want to see what my own natural hair looks like. And it's so freeing to audition and sometimes be challenged at like, how am I going to do this, (laughs) this hair of mine that I'm learning for the first time in my thirties? But guess what? Like people are casting people who look exactly the way they are, not having to fit into like, Oh, did she wear, is her hair straight and long and does she look European or something? So so that's, that's what I'm enjoying in this season. That who I am gets to be exactly what you're casting, mm-hmm. and it's enough. Uh, and so that's just my encouragement to anyone listening, you know, in whatever field you're at, is that you're 100% enough. And what you bring to the table is so specific that we want it, especially in acting. We want to see specificity because it's, it's what we. See are able, that's how we're able to separate ourselves. And that's what makes you so interesting to watch is like, like I, it's funny, Nadezh. actually, you don't know, I had about three to four people reach out to me uh, and I helped them with their audition for your role. <laughs>
0: for the role
1: of Joan? Yeah. How dare had, they even had an opportunity to try. An opportunity, but it's so funny. They were so specifically like different than you and your interpretation. And it just happened to be that, that interpretation was what they wanted. They, there's no way any of those beautiful women could have been you and there's no way you could have been them. So it's just that I'm so happy that you brought 100% of yourself to the table because it's what we wanted. I remember once I met you because i was so curious about Joan since so many people auditioned for it that I knew That I was I kept telling Chuck, like, oh, she's like a little snake. She's just trying to, she's just trying to seep her way into our (laughs) into Ruth and Tally to like, you know, but it was the way you even chose how to speak and you were like slow. And then you even like move. Oh man, I loved your choices, Nadej. There's such such bold choices that were just organically you. So that's all I'm saying. Like, we gotta go in here in these audition rooms, these self-tapes, we gotta be organically us, because that'
0: That books, yeah, books. And let right. me tell you, it's funny because I shared this. I was interviewed in another podcast called Make That Paper uh, recently, and uh-huh. it kind of came up. The very things that I was asked to deny are the very mm-hmm. things that got me my big break. Mm-hmm. I remember my first agent in LA was like, "So, where are you? What are you? What are you?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What am I?" And he's like, "Well, okay, obviously you're dark, but like you're you're not black." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Haitian, you know, born in Brooklyn, but, you know, my father Haitian, whatever. And he was like, okay, I'm glad you said that, but don't ever say that again out loud. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, because they don't have roles for Haitian Americans. And like, okay, I kind of rolled my eyes. Fast forward to three months later, me booking a major part in a major movie, The Brothers, playing Ursula, French speaking. Come on. So you were asked that the, you, the agent was telling me, never tell people that you do this and you speak another language. Cause it's going to come. And that's what gets me. My big break. It's
1: your niche. I, the only reason I got my first cat, my first, um, agent, I sent out 200 submissions 10 years ago, 200 submissions. I got two responses. One was a school. So one out of 200 agents hit me up. That agent needed somebody who spoke Spanish first language of mine, spoke Spanish, but didn't, was, but looked like me, right? Doesn't look like your normal, typical, lighter scene. Yeah. Right. That's my agents. That agency is my agent. Still yeah. some, like, commercial agent. I signed up on a the theatrical once she merged X, Y, Z. Like, so exactly. Your problem is your solution is what I heard recently. And so mm. other things. "Quote unquote problem with you is honestly your solution because it separates you. It separates you from the flock, <laughs> right? You know. So if you have tattoos, I was just self-taping with the um, Michelle. I helped Michelle with the self-tape who plays Zane. Oh, and Michelle I was, girl, Nunez. I love your arm sleeves. Please show them as much as possible because for the rest of us untatted individuals, you're putting yourself in a nice little niche. You know. So whatever it is. You know, I agree with you, Nadezh. Just, just you use it. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm, I'm done apologizing for who I am, what I am. Okay, uh, let me be. Yeah. I'm I, me, and if I'm not good enough for you, pass on me, boo. Somebody else is bound to get me. And what I'm saying, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, ma'am. On that note. Yeah. The Haitians, the Haitians have spoken. <laughs> yeah. And let's virtually hug. Oh my God. I miss you. And, uh, you. Mm, muah, muah, muah. all right. Listen, listen. How do you and Chuck say goodbye to each other? Uh, Chuck always says, uh, peace.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. And I always say goodbye, but, um, we, we do, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, <laughs> we do this in the morning. We say, uh, we say, he'll say queen, queen Bonnie. So my nickname is Bonnie, queen Bonnie live forever. And so that's what I say. King Charlie live forever. So Nadege, my love live forever.
0: <laughs> that's what I tell my audience. However you say these things. So now you're in charge of saying goodbye to my audience by saying, what the fuck are you listeners? <laughs> Wonderful, lovely listeners live forever
1: (laughs) I love you all bye bye